Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, how to run a spot project kickoff meeting. Here we go. saying the other day, you're talking to somebody about, I guess he's a, a project manager. You got assigned a project for he and his team a couple of years ago. And Oh, yeah, yeah. So a manager, not a project manager, just a regular just, manager. Oh, just a regular manager. Know. Okay. Yeah, I got assigned a project. Um, and he, he asked me to critique the email he was sending out to announce the project. Kind of a, you know, here's the big picture guys. And then some early assignments just to get people started. And, okay, and, like um, a kickoff, like a kickoff email? Yeah, okay. I guess I know. I guess, you know I guess, right. Yeah, like a kickoff email, as if such a thing exists, right? Um, I guess if you're the CEO and you want seven thousand people to know, right, and you can't teach talk to them all at once, you could send out a kickoff email. And if the CEO only sends out three or four emails a year, you might, if you're the CEO, be able to send out a kickoff email. But it, yeah, it was basically an email to kick off the project, and I knew who he was, and I knew. Everybody on the team that was working on this was co-located with him. And oh, okay, so they weren't spread across the country. They were no, no, like, no, no. Uh, These are guys. No, you know. Um, sorry, I hadn't shared his name with you, but yeah, it's. I mean, I, I know him. Okay, yeah, okay. So I'm thinking, why would a manager send out a really long email? I mean, paragraphs and bullets and sub bullets and everything else to this this ad hoc team, this project team. Lots of details in it about this pretty important project. Why would he send an email? And what he told me was. You know, that that's just the way I've always done it. And I was just stunned. And I, you know, it was like I told a client the other day, somebody was saying, well, how, how do you how do you make sure that your presentations get approved? So we just do a pre-wire. And I said it so matter of factly. And they said, well, what's a pre-wire? And I just shook my head like, ah, doesn't know. So folks, there's a better way to kick off your project than sending out an email saying, okay, the project is starting and here's what needs to be done. It's much more effective when you kick off a project to have a brief meeting. Manager Tools calls it a SPOT meeting, which stands for Scope, Plan, Operations, and Tasks. It's not really complex. It is another meeting, but one meeting at the beginning of a project to get things started, to keep things from getting too far off track too soon is a good way to go. And this cast is what will walk us through how to run one. There are basically six steps. First of all, we want to start with a fundamental principle, which is keeping everybody on the same page at the beginning or keeping everybody on the same page starts on a project with getting everybody on the same page right at the beginning. And then steps two through six are pretty simple. Schedule a spot meeting. Spot, again, stands for scope, plan, operations, tasks. And then steps three, four, five, and six are what to deliver in scope, what to deliver in plan, what to deliver in operations, and what to deliver in tasks. Each of the four parts, four key parts of the the spot meeting agenda. Excellent. Okay. So first point, keeping everyone on the same page starts with getting everyone on the same page yeah okay yeah okay that, that makes sense yeah but look people don't do it right people yeah. think that everybody knows this everybody knows that that beginnings are delicate times when you're first starting a project it's it's worth doing things right and yet what we see is people just want to be fast they want to be efficient they'd rather send an email than getting face to face and being clear that 
hey, we're going to rely on each other to get some work done together for the next two, three, four, five, ten months, whatever it is. And so you kind of skim through it at the beginning, figuring, well, we'll catch up. And, you know, uh, the faster we get started, the faster we'll get we'll get done. And, of course, that's just not true. Yeah. You know, I think part of it also is managers, you know, often before the kickoff of a meeting, when the project is being discussed with their boss or with their boss's peers, if you have the project, you're often in those meetings. And I guess there kind of becomes an assumption that everybody knows what's going on. You've been in so many meetings about it. It's been explained to you so many times. They kind of almost start to assume that everybody knows it. It's not true. Yeah, it's not true. I mean, look, it's worth it to take a little time to make sure everybody hears the same thing. And folks, I know somebody's going to be thinking this. Everybody reading the same email is not everybody hearing the same thing, right? Um, I was reminded of this when I saw a a financial chart comparison recently. Um, it's one of those charts that compare several different companies' stock prices over a certain period. And the way they always do those charts is, um, you know, particularly when they want to show one that's doing really poorly or really well, is they set a time in the past, let's say 10 years ago, and they put both stock prices at the same point, and they call that point 100, meaning at that day, at that time, both stock prices on that day were at 100% of their stock prices at that day, right? Even if one of them is 60, one of them is 40, both of them are still at 100 of their stock price, 100% of their stock price that day. And then what happens is over time, you see the two companies or a company and a market index diverge over time. One's doing really well, one's doing really poorly, whatever. You know, basically over time, the lines basically start heading apart and the roller coaster, you know, the, the divergence begins, if you will. One company goes up 150%, another goes down to 40%. And it's like, oh my gosh, look, the CEO is doing well, or that CEO is doing poorly or whatever. Well, that's what projects are like, right? At the beginning where everybody knows nothing, I guess we're supposed to all be on the same page. Nobody, nobody knows anything. And then everybody goes off on their own and does different work. And frankly, Everybody has a different feeling about the project as things get further along and, and people get further apart as projects get further along because they get pulled off in other directions and so on. The problem with that is that it's even worse than that is that not everybody is on the same page when you start a project. In fact, everybody may actually know nothing, but everybody thinks they know something and they all know different things. And then even then, they still start diverging as well. So they, they're not together, and then they diverge further. Like you said, too many of us assume that what we know is obvious to other people. We basically hear the data we're getting from, say, our boss, if we're in a one-on-one with him or her. We interpolate from that data. We begin to see our own interpolations of the data as data themselves, or at least the same thing as data, right? Right. We... Basically, then when when others when other people get the data that we share, they don't get our interpolation. So there's all kinds of stuff we've assumed that we believe is data, but they don't get to assume. And so they don't know is data. And look, we, we assume because we assume they know it, that they'll act on our interpolations when they're uncertain about things, but they won't. They don't. And then they get stuck in the brush and then they get tired and then they straggle after ripe blackberries to to quote my favorite favorite leadership quote, right? It just people are real and they get distracted by a shiny thing. And and the, the whole point of this cast is the start of projects, folks, is worth getting right. It's worth stopping for a bit before you start the actual work. It's worth spending an hour getting everybody on the same page and making sure everybody's clear about what the same page is. You know, you're fond of saying all the time, right? With people, fast is slow and slow is fast. 
If you rush folks, they're going to push back. It's better to spend a little extra time giving some guidance, gaining convergence before everybody starts diverging and tiring and straggling and so on. And the way to do that is with a spot meeting. So spot meeting is an easy way to do it, like you said. So let's, let's talk a little bit about a spot meeting. I mean, right. you, you said earlier, right? Scope, plan, operations, and tasks. Yeah. Let's just walk through what happens, right? The timeline of what happens and what you need to do. You get assigned a project. Let's assume it's it's one where you'll probably do some. You may even do a lot of the work. And a lot of people misunderstand this about project managers that, well, if I'm a project manager, I don't actually do some of the work. No, perhaps on your first projects, you'll be one of the workers and you'll be the project manager as well. But you're also going to be managing some of the folks' work as well. You don't have to be an official project manager to use a spot meeting. You don't have to be in a matrix organization. You don't have to have that title. You could just be a code writer. You could be a factory foreman. You could be a line worker. You could be an analyst. Okay. But hopefully people are asking you to manage projects because they think you can work well with other people. And it's often a stepping stone to a management job that actually has role power. It could be that in your last, in your boss's last staff meeting, she said, Terrence, I want you to head up our work on the new tax law impacts. At next month's monthly all hands meeting, you'll have 15 minutes to give a presentation on its impacts. You know, Robert, Tara, and Sam will make some of their time available to you. Any problem with that, Robert, Tara, and Sam? <laughs> no, I didn't think so. Okay, good. Thanks, everybody. Good luck. Right? That's how a lot of times projects are created. People miss that. They think a project has to be some formal thing with a budget and so on. Not necessarily. And by the way, it, this also does work for those of you who are project managers by title. Being a project manager is a totally hard job. We totally get that. So many folks learn about organizational life through the lens of role power, really being the only kind of power. The first time you have to lead a project without any role power at all it can be pretty daunting. It teaches you all of a sudden that relationship power is really the only real tool you have to make a difference in on short term. Okay, so you've been assigned you're managing this little project. Maybe it's two months, maybe it's four months, maybe it's even 10 months long. The first thing you do is schedule a meeting with the people on the project. People on the project. Do you invite your boss? No, God, no. Even no, though no, she no. assigned the project no. to you? No. Yeah, no, no. Look, if you need info from her, get it before the meeting. It's nice if a boss volunteers to come to the meeting. And folks, generally, they're not expressing doubt in you by doing so. But if they're there at the meeting, everybody will assume it's the boss's project that you are doing for the boss. Mm. And basically, that greatly increases the chances that if there is a festering disagreement on the team, your team will assume that the real authority resides, of course, with the boss. Okay. Well, we don't want that. So. Right. We don't want that. And the fact is, yeah, you can always be overruled by your boss, right? They can always go whine and complain to your boss. And so you don't want to tick everybody off, but let's not make it super, super easy and just send them a message. I'm really not in charge here. And if your boss is there, you may have to feel like you have to include your boss a great deal and your boss is not going to be doing any of the work on the project or very little. And so he or she probably won't be terribly helpful. So usually scheduling a meeting means sending out an email and that's fine. You know, obviously don't put all of the meeting information in the email. The length of the meeting is one hour. We generally don't recommend longer than that unless it's a huge project with more than 10 folks clearly involved in the effort, right? And then you'd probably go to 90 minutes for this uh, meeting. Or in rare cases, you might go even longer if it's, a, if it's an organization-wide project. But we'll have to talk about that in, a, in another week's um, guidance. It's possible 
You might think it could get done in 30 minutes. I generally don't recommend that uh, for your first one. There's nothing wrong with being done early in an hour meeting that goes 50 minutes or whatever, but going 50 minutes long on a meeting you schedule for 30 minutes doesn't really inspire confidence as you as a manager. Yeah, that's not a great start. Yeah. So basically, in the example we used, you'd invite Robert, Tara, and Sam. It's okay to invite somebody else, again, not your boss, who may not be on the team, but is going to play a role somehow. But folks, this isn't necessary. And the goal is not to invite a lot of people. The goal is to inform the people who are going to be doing the most work the key things they need to know to get started and how you guys are going to work together. And don't go thinking you're, you're going to definitely involve, you're you're going to invite somebody who might be involved in any way, shape or form, because you'll end up with 20 people in the room. Nobody really want to be there and they'll take away from the three or four that are really going to make a difference. Right now. So is the agenda of the spot meeting, is it complex or fairly? No, it's like every other agenda, right? We've talked about meetings so many times, about effective meetings, about no laptops, about the the starter guidance that we gave for meetings, which is you can can just come up with a cheap agenda. We've come up with two examples of agendas here that are just no-brainers. Let's assume you start at 10 a.m. You have an agenda that's this, 10 a.m., welcome and purpose, 10.05, scope, 10.20, plan, 10.35, operations, 10.45, tasks, 10.55, parking lot, 11 o'clock, close. In our typical meeting protocol, we suggest introductions, and you didn't include introductions. Yeah, we I didn't, but but it was only because in the example, I'm just following on from the example. In the example I gave, Robert, Tara, and Sam are my peers, right? They, I sit next to them in my in our cubes. We were assuming that everybody on the project is my peer here and reports to okay. our same boss. So you know, probably you have a good relationship with them. There's yeah. introductions aren't necessary, but if but if you had five people from all over the organization, right. Right. You'd probably want to do something different. Yeah. Look, here's an agenda for that. You'd say 10 o'clock welcome purpose, 10.05 introductions, 10.15 scope, 10.25 plan, 10.35 operations, 10.45 tasks, 10.55 parking lot, 11 o'clock close. Now, folks, if you're sitting there thinking, man, those are tight agendas, I'll just go ahead and do away with the introductions and save myself some time. Please think again. Remember what we shared earlier right? With people fast is slow and slow is fast. And I'm pretty sure I've shared on air, I may not have, the great story I've told a bunch of people about Google's weekly GUI meeting, the graphical user interface meeting, where they're looking for ways to, uh, they're looking at ideas to, to improve the user experience at Google. And it's a 60 minute long meeting. And there are 20 sessions, 20 presentations in the 60-minute meeting. There's a digital clock at the front of the room, and there are three projectors lined up in the center of the conference room table. And there are three laptops hooked up to them, one that's that's live, one that's on deck, and one that's in the hole. And, and basically, the live one, the, a group of people get to speak for three minutes about why they think their idea is good and why it ought to be implemented. And if they can't make a decision on it, they get, get given new guidance about how to come back next week. And when your three minutes are up, you're done. The next group is talking. And, you know, th- this is Google. This is a this is a cool company. This is a new company. This is a young company. This is, hey, we do things different here. Wrong. They're maniacal about managing agendas when they have really important stuff to talk about. Now, they don't do introductions at that meeting because it's the same people at the meeting all the time. Okay, so you've sent out your meeting request, right? With the agenda attached, nothing wrong with telling people the agenda. They'll love them. If they've never heard of spot meetings, they'll see your agenda and go, wow, this guy's thinking ahead. He's got a scope. He knows, you know, he's going to tell us about the big picture. He's going to tell us about his plan. He's going to talk about operating stuff. And he's going to, we're going to talk about tasks too. 
Seriously, people are going to think you have your stuff together, guys. But now, of course, now you've you've promised them a meeting. You actually have to fill up that meeting with information that's going to help you and your team get stuff done effectively and efficiently. And in just a minute, we'll walk through each agenda item, except obviously the, the welcome and purpose in the parking lot and the close. And I guess introductions as well, because we have other casts on that. Uh, we'll tell you what each one of them involves, right? But between sending out your meeting request and the meeting itself, you're going to need to prepare the information to deliver the agenda with the guidance we're going to give you below. It's great, folks, to have the meeting quickly, like, hey, let's have it tomorrow. You really can't have the meeting before you prep the stuff that you need to put in the meeting. If you can't do the preparation until tomorrow, then you can't have the meeting until the end of the day tomorrow or probably even the next day. Yeah, we don't want you to delay weeks, but don't rush no, to have gosh, a meeting yeah. and start off the entire project with a, a poor meeting. That Yeah. That's not a great place to start. We're all for starting quickly on a project. We're just not starting. We don't want to start sloppily. We think starting quickly means... Starting quickly without being sloppy means having a project kickoff meeting, a spot meeting, okay? And now, before we go through what you need to cover in each agenda item, let me just mention one thing about the ground rules of this meeting. I was with a client recently and was stunned to hear one of the managers in the room say, or he actually asked, hey, we were talking about running meetings. Do you recommend having everybody hold their questions until the end of a presentation? That's what I do. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, I'm always telling people we ought ought not to be surprised in our business, but I was totally surprised. I I thought to myself, are you really telling me that there are people out there who believe it's okay to tell an audience or a group in a meeting to hold their questions until the end? I mean, it's like, who didn't get the memo about welcome to the modern world? I mean, unbelievable. Okay. Is this client a listener of our podcast? Yeah. I'm sure he won't recognize himself. Okay. I didn't say, okay. I didn't good, say that. Good, right? Yeah. Good. So look, folks, make sure you agree on some simple ground rules. By the way, you don't have to spend five minutes on your first meeting having ground rules if you don't want to. You can just post them on the wall or you can say to everybody after the welcome and purpose, which you have five minutes scheduled for, say, by the way, let's agree on some ground rules for this meeting. And here they are. Stay on time. Finish on time. Stick to the agenda. We're going to use a parking lot. Questions whenever you like. No, no, no question is wrong. Happy to answer it at a time. Uh, one at a time, no laptops, cell phones on stun. And look, if you try to run a kickoff meeting like this, folks, without allowing questions, particularly a meeting that has your peers in it, and you're going to be seen as a dictator. So don't do it. Now, what that means is it's going to make the meeting harder to run for you. If you start learning to run meetings this way, it's easy to run meetings this way. If you get a lot of questions, you have to shorten other things. You may have to cut a questioner off because you want to get done in time. And believe me, if you've never run meetings before, it's okay to cut somebody off and say, I'm sorry, Bob, we've got to move on to something else. Everybody else will applaud you for it because meeting managers who aren't willing to stand up and say, no, you can't ask any question in the world. We're not here to answer all of your questions because we still have to get all of our work done in a certain amount of time. The people who say, no, you can't ask every question in the world are cheered by people who attend meetings, not hated. So run your meeting, run it on time and make it easier by being clear about the ground rules up front. Yeah. Look, and you want folks to ask questions, right? If folks are asking questions, that means they're engaged. And the meeting's going to have a lot more energy when people are interacting. So yeah, you know. exactly. All right, so let's go through each of the the sections in detail in terms of spots. So let's talk about what you want to deliver in the scope piece of the agenda. Yeah, it's just look, scope is just big picture, right? It's the story that happened before the project, the context for the project, its impact, its value, how it fits into the larger picture. 
It might involve key players who, who are watching or who are going to benefit from it. And the way I thought I'd, we, we, we'd provide this guidance, Mike, is we have some questions to ask. We're going to provide questions for a potential project manager to ask themselves. And basically, when you've answered these questions, you've got the rough outlines of what you're going to tell your team for each portion of this meeting that we're going to, that, that we're recommending you have. You know, different industries describe things differently. So we're going to be pretty broad here and you may not find all of these applicable. Yeah, some of them, you'll feel like it's a rehash of a previous question, but somebody else won't. But if you answer all the questions as fully as you can, you'll be able to step back and figure out how to put together perhaps a slide, for instance, on the scope of the project and the plan and the operations and task. If you want to have one slide each, that's fine. You don't have to come up with slides if you don't want to. It might be easier. You could just put out a document. You could put a Word document out if you wanted. Here are the questions you want to ask yourself for scope. First, what's the project objective? What was the stated objective by your boss or whoever assigned it to you? Who is or who are the external or internal customers? It's always helpful to know who's going to consume the output of the work or the, the, work, uh, or the project because that could affect the quality or the style or the format and so on. What is the outcome we're responsible for? It always amazes me that when people get asked to do analyses as a project, it confuses people. A project that is about analysis, for instance, it messes people up. Is the outcome a presentation about your analysis or is it just the analysis? And by the way, folks, what does an analysis look like, right? Analyses maybe long documents, long word documents that describe things, which may not lend themselves necessarily to a presentation. It may, in fact, be many bosses say, I want an analysis, when really what they mean is a recommendation about an analysis that you do. Or maybe they just mean the analysis itself, and they're going to come up with their own recommendations. Maybe they just want the data analyzed with some validity uh, tests and some quality tests involved. Maybe it's a series of recommendations. It may just be raw numbers. The fact is, even if everybody says, oh yeah, we're supposed to do an analysis, the outcome and the format of the outcome matters and you need to tell people what the outcome is. Yeah. Those all seem like very different projects. Yeah, they are. But, yeah. but, but everybody will touch the elephant in a different place and think it's a tree or a snake or a rope or whatever and then wonder why everybody's disappointed at the end. Yeah. So let's be clear what the deliverable is at the end. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Next, what's the background? What's the history? How, how did this project come to be? Look, maybe Robert, Tara, and Sam weren't in the meeting you were in when the boss gave it to you. Or maybe Robert and Tara were, but Sam wasn't, and it'd be good for them to hear it again anyway, for Sam's benefit as well. Obviously, some other ones. When is it due? What's the budget? What's the size? If, in fact, a budget doesn't give a sense of size. What's the impact? What are the resources involved? Maybe there's somebody not in the room that's a resource. Okay. And then the last one, we've alluded to this before, talked about it a couple of times in previous cast over the last, uh, what, five, six years. What is the commander's intent? Commander's intent, folks, is designed to help team members understand the why of the project. So if they need guidance, they'll be able to act with an understanding of the big picture. Different projects obviously will have different commander's intent. I remember a particular situation that I had where I was told, you're supposed to take this particular area of ground. This was when I was in the military. You're supposed to take this area of ground. And the commander told me, the reason you're doing that is because we need to hold that ground to allow some cover to happen for a unit that's going to move by you. If we control that ground, 
then the enemy will be less likely to attack this convoy that's going by it. Well, what I was told was, hold the ground. But in fact, when we got there, there was no bad guys there. And so the question was not whether we would hold it, but the question was, how could we really protect the convoy? And we realized we didn't have to be on that piece of ground in order to do what we needed to do. In fact, we could do much more than that for the convoy. If I hadn't known the commander's intent, I would have just gone to that piece of ground and said, okay, I I accomplished my mission. But when situations changed and I knew the commander's intent, I knew that I could adjust my my tactics, if you will, my work with my team in order to get what the larger organization needed done. If you have questions about that, ask around, ask your boss, you know, what's the big picture? What's the, what's the unwritten piece of this? Why are we doing this? And how can I communicate the why in a way that will help my folks make decisions as they're working on this? Good. Okay. So let's talk about the P in spot, which is what to deliver in the plan section here. Now, this is, um, at the beginning of the project, right? So we're we talking about like an 18 page <laughs> Microsoft project plan with dependencies and Of course resources. you would think that. Of course I Mr. Would. Project Plan, <laughs> Mr. Project Planner. Oh yeah. No, we are not. <laughs> oh darn. <laughs> no, because we never talk about that because I don't understand them. They're too complex. There's too many pictures and colors and dependencies and critical paths and resource constraints and so on. <laughs> oh, stop. You're getting me going. Yeah, sorry. And by the way, folks, if you haven't gotten any, any questions when you're talking about the scope of the project, it's because people feel like, well, scope is big picture, no big deal. But you'll probably start getting questions in the plan because folks feel more comfortable asking questions about work planning than about the big picture stuff. And by the way, we're not saying that people won't ask you questions during scope. Many people will. But if for some reason you don't get any in scope, don't think it's going to be a breeze of a meeting. Promise you they'll hit you during plan. <laughs> not when you start talking yeah. about dates and deliverables. <laughs> they, that yeah. Attention. Okay. Now, I, now I'm paying attention. You want me to do what by when? <laughs> yeah. So questions to ask yourself and what to deliver in the plan portion of the session. What are the key deliverables? Not a list of 85 tasks, but what are the key deliverables? Maybe think in terms of, and the next question, what are the key milestones? What steps along the way do we have to take in order to achieve the outcome that we want to get to? What is your rough guess? Maybe not an actual drop dead date, but a rough guess of when these milestones and deliverables need to be done. There may be four or five deliverables along the, deliverables along the way till the final outcome of the project. Also a good question. What comes first? What comes last? What comes next? Right? A general rough idea. It's like, it's like you've got a jungle in front of you and what you're doing is just knocking down some trees. You're not, you're not hacking the trees out. You're not paving over the road yet, but you're knocking down some trees and you're saying, there's the rough path that I think we're going to go on. Now, look, it could be that when we get halfway there, we realize, uh oh, a bunch of these trees can't be bulldozed. We're going to have to move around them. Well, okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with making a detour part of the way through the project, but trying to build the entire road and predict every single thing that's going to happen. And then, as Mike was alluding to, coming up with a 20 page project plan is not a good use of your resources early on in a project. Then, another question you might want to ask yourself in the planning is whom do we need to coordinate with? Because if they're not in the room, they're not going to be as engaged. And if they're not as engaged, they're not going to be as 
responsive. And so you've almost always got to plan ahead for any external resources or coordination you need to do and give them more time than you think they might need. You know, when you ask somebody else in the organization you don't know, it always seems to be an emergency. And they're like, geez, everybody's always asked for stuff on short notice. And yes, if you give them plenty of time, they'll probably carry their, take care of some emergencies before they take care of your stuff. But you're much more likely to get your stuff on time if you show them respect and ask them in advance. Now, look, like, like we said, this is not a detailed step-by-task task list. It's, it's not a detailed project plan. For some of you, that causes great dismay. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Yeah. And, and look, Mike and I both respect project management. We, we respect people like Cornelius Fitchner. I mean, smart guys about project management. The science of project management, though, generally, that kind of detailed science is best left for really big cross-organizational projects. Not always, but usually. That kind of guidance is great, but, but it's overkill for most of us month to month and quarter to quarter. So we don't recommend you come up with an entire project plan with every task listed and every dependency charted before you ever meet with your project team. It's going to be wasted. It's going to change. Your plan is going to change. Now, if you do feel you need to do such a detail-oriented plan before you have your meeting, obviously, Mike and I can't stop you, but we have two suggestions, okay? Keep your plan to yourself, Look, everybody knows it's going to have to change. So if you show them a big detail plan, they're going to scoff at you. And frankly, it's going to worry them that you're going to manage them to that level of what amounts to micromanagement anyway, right? And the other thing you can do is use that plan. We're okay with you using it, just right? But abstract it up a level. Take a step back from it. Share it at a higher level, not the actual plan document you come up with. But that plan document at a high level, abstracted up a bit, is actually what we're talking about in the plan portion of the meeting. And then one more thing about the plan. You may want to start this part of the meeting by saying, hey, I just want to give you a high-level overview of what's ahead of us. I don't want to assign any work yet. We're not doing that yet. I don't want to get down to details yet. I want us all on the same page about the big picture Once we do that, when we get to tasks, it'll be easier for us to talk about who's going to be responsible for what early on. Good. Okay. Now we talked about the S and the P and spot. Next is O, operations. What do we do there? Operations. I'm good. You're you're good at the spelling thing. I'm I'm, 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 I'm working on on it. it. You're (laughs) on it. I mean, you're you're just knife edge today. I I love it. (laughs) Yeah. This is where you talk about how your group is going to work together. Okay. Everybody always forgets about this step. And then the PM assumes that everyone on the team is going to treat them kind of like the boss gets treated, right? But that's, folks, not a good plan. Or a lot of small team project managers just assume that everybody knows how things are supposed to be and that all this stuff goes without saying. Again, not a good plan, right? So this is probably the fastest, shortest agenda item even though I think we gave it the same amount of time, it'll give you a little bit of a buffer space. We have three questions here. What's expected for project team communications? Is email okay? If the team is dispersed, any guidance on what goes on email versus what goes on phone? Should we CC everybody on emails? I actually like that. People say, Mark, you get so many emails. I can't believe you want more emails. No, I like to be CC'd on things and, and uh, it, there's nothing wrong with being CC'd. I'm not going to read it in the moment. If I get a CC at nine o'clock in the morning, I'm not reading it until that night. Um, that's just effective executive behavior, right? That's just uh, priority management rather than squirrel right. always being in front of me. Well, and hopefully people understand what CC means, right? 
the great thing about CC is you have the option to read it. Yeah. Do you think that's not true? Mike, do you think people get stuff in their inbox and they don't even realize it's a CC? Well, I think people get things in their inbox that they're CC'd on and the sender assumes that the person is necessarily going to read it and oh. see some deliverable that's buried oh. five pages down on the email. Okay. That's what I'm yeah, talking Yeah, so let's about. address that. We've, we've talked about this before, right? Yeah. But let's let's talk about it again. Folks, if you CC on something, if you CC somebody on something, if you're CC, by the way, for those of you who don't know, stands for carbon copy. I know carbon is only big now as a footprint issue, but it used to be you actually had sheets of carbon between paper and CC meant carbon copy. And if you carbon copy somebody in an email, it means there are no deliverables in there for them, and it is only for their information. They're not obligated to read it immediately. There's no urgency attached to it at all as it relates to people who are CC'd on the email. Furthermore, those of you who are getting CCs on things, you better be checking that it's not actually to you. If it's actually to you, you got to read it. But if it's not, look, set up a rule in Outlook or whatever your mail client is that says, if I'm CC'd on something, put it in a different folder, call it a CC folder and mark it as read so it doesn't draw your attention. And then at the end of each day, one of your tasks at the end of each day before you go home is read all your CCs. It's easy to organize your mail by date and you can see which CCs came in that day. You know, CCs are not stuff that have deliverables or urgent actions required of you. Right. Yeah. So there's, I guess there's two sides to that behavior, right? Sender and receiver. Yeah. Okay. Second question. What about future meetings, right? Most of you listening will probably say, nah, I don't want to have a bunch of meetings. And folks, that might be fine. We don't know. It depends on your project. But if you run this meeting well, we bet everybody on your team is going to be more willing to tolerate more meetings later. And meeting once a week to touch base on things. It could just be a 20 minute check-in. If it's a six-month project, that's long enough. You don't want to go too much longer than every week getting a check-in with people, particularly if those people don't work for you. Okay. And then last thing, how will you handle reporting? This is the big thing about, about project operations. Many folks love web reporting and it works fine. We like it at Manager Tools. We know a lot of companies that use it. Anybody can see it. It updates automatically. Nowadays, you can allow simultaneous updating. It's great. But there's a hidden implication in web updating that points to our previous guidance that when somebody does the work, they're responsible for reporting the status of the work. Folks, don't believe anybody who ever says to you, I have to report so much, I don't have time to get my work done. I think that was born out of coders who said, I don't want to, what do coders hate to do? Um, a document. I'm sorry. I was I kept wanting to say dedicate. Yeah. They, they, they don't Medicaid. want to document. Medi- they yeah, don't like to medicate. No, I, I said dedicate, <laughs> not medicate. Dedicate. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. we were really I dedicate this to what code. you thought about IT. I dedicate people. this to, to my most hated boss. No. Um, yeah. Document your code, right? So that people can figure out what the heck you intended with that line of, uh, of mush that you, you produced. A lot of coders hate documentation, even though now the world is coming to a place where you can't write code anymore, just about in a professional organization, unless you document things. And by the same token, you can't really be in a professional organization and manage a project without expecting the tasks to include the reporting of those tasks in the task itself. That's a standard thing, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Basically, folks, if a task isn't reported as done, it isn't done. What's expected for communications? How are we going to handle future meetings, if we're going to have any? And how are we going to handle reporting? Okay, now we finally get to the part that um, I'm excited about. What can yeah. deliver in tasks? Yeah, taskmaster. Assigning work. Excellent. Let's get yeah. going. 
And look, hopefully, folks, you've done scope, you've done a plan, you've done operations, and now hopefully it's a little bit easier to plan out the first few tasks that your team is going to work on. Frankly, you've probably planned out more of the work than you actually assign in this first meeting, okay? But you don't want to plan out everything. Remember, we're not trying to come up with an entire project plan. We don't want to have done that. Once those first tasks slip a little bit, that's going to affect all your planning and timing and resources of all those near-term future tasks. So what we do is we plan the next couple of weeks worth of tasks and we come up with those. And then as we get closer to those being done, we assign more. So it's a rolling task assignment rather than everybody knowing every task they're going to work on. But because you've told them about scope, and about plan, they know roughly when when what parts are going to be busy and not busy to them, okay? Now, we've already alluded to this, but let me just give the guidance again about task development and assignment. Many, many, many short, small tasks are way better than a couple of big but easy-to-understand tasks. Projects that start off with a lot of early wins have a much higher likelihood of getting done on time and on budget than projects that start off behind schedule. So chunk the tasks that you're developing into smaller bits. Chunk them down from a 10-day task to a two-day task or a three-day task. If you think something will require 10 days, break it into three things of, of three to four days each. And surely we've talked about this before, right? I mean, breaking it down, getting some experience in terms of the person's ability to meet those commitments, then over time, you know, with that experience, increasing the duration or length of the task, right? We Certainly, we've talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we, we've talked about it several times. And, and the idea, look, even if you've got a 10-day task and you want to assign that to one person, you can turn it into three or four, three to four-day tasks. You assign them all to the same person, and it gives you more chances to say thank you and well done and keep it up, which people love and no, not enough project managers do. And it also gives you more early warnings if things aren't getting done. And of course, I know we've talked about this before, no tasks longer than a week. Yeah, unless you're comfortable being, you know, behind schedule by a week or more, yeah. you know, over a Yeah, week. exactly. The rule of projects, right? I mean, the first rule of project deliverables, every project is in danger of being delayed by the length of the longest task in the project. But there's something else too. If something's supposed to take eight or nine or 10 days, when people look at that, they think it's big. They see it stretching into next week. They put it off on the back burner, and now they're doing in the second week something that takes them two weeks, and so now they're going to be a week late doing it. So don't do that to people. Break down tasks so they're shorter than a week. Plus, if for some reason you're a manager and you're you're if you're a project manager and you're doing weekly project manager one-on-ones, which we also recommend for probably projects a little bit bigger than the smallest ones, then you'll be doing project manager one-on-ones and you'll be able to have a check-in once a week to talk about which tasks have been done and which ones need to be rescheduled. Okay, so what questions do you want to have answered before you walk into the meeting? What are you going to deliver in the meeting? First one, what are the first few tasks you can assign, right? What work are you going to assign? Who is going to do what in the first two weeks? You should have the first two weeks work worked out. Now, look, let's say you've got task A and you want to assign it to Robert. It's okay for Robert to want to change with Tara. That's fine. If you believe it won't compromise quality noticeably, if Tara agrees to it, that's totally fine. If two of your teams switch on something, they're taking responsibility for the task regardless of their abilities. Don't be inflexible. Don't say, no, I decided Robert's going to do that rather than Tara. Then you're sounding like a dictator, okay? 
Now, if, if skills are widely different, if you have a salesperson and an analyst and there's analysis to be done, don't let the salesperson do it. If there's a sales call to be made, don't ask the, now, the analyst to do it. But generally speaking, there's a closer connection to most people on a project and some tasks can be assigned to multiple people. If you really want to insist on one task being assigned to one particular person, that's okay. Just don't try to do that on every single task because people are going to feel like you're dictating and they don't like that. Next, what are the quality standards of the tasks you're assigning? Make sure it's clear. And again, I know this probably sounds no brainer, but I just want to be clear. What are the deadlines, right? And by the way, when it comes to deadlines and shorter deadlines, it's okay to assign times, actual times of the day with the dates. It's not okay, folks, to not assign a deadline with a task. Deadlines drive behavior. And a task without a deadline is really not even a task. It's not a task, right? That's yeah. What, I was what is that thing? A dream without a, a, a timeline is just a wish. It's just a wish, right? So let's not assign tasks without deadlines. It's just a wish that you're going to have something happen for you sometime in the future. Mark Horseman, the motivational speaker. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> wish, wish with me, folks. Now, wish with me. Close your eyes and and wish with me now. Yeah. And look, deadlines drive behavior. If somebody misses a deadline, it's okay. Assign them a new deadline and don't give them as much time as they had on the first one. They should have been a professional and started working on it. We expect them to be a professional. They, they Hopefully they've done some work. If not, they'll learn. Don't miss deadlines or you'll have less time to do the same amount of work if you haven't done anything at all. If somebody wants a little more time, let's say you assign a, a deadline and they're like, ah, I'm kind of busy that week. Can I, can I move that back a day? Sure. Agree to it if you can live with it. And then ask them what they're willing to deliver and then hold them to it because they're the ones that said they could deliver to it. Now, if you want it Thursday and they say they can give it three weeks from Thursday, say, you know, that just won't work with the deadline we've got from the boss. You could see, hopefully, based on our scope and our, our, our rough plan, that won't work. Can we agree on something in between? And if they say, no, I can't agree on anything three weeks from now. So, well, look, I can't deal with it three weeks from now. I've got to make some decisions. We need it sooner than that. I'm going to assign a deadline of eight days from now or four days from now, or hopefully I can break it up into smaller, smaller pieces. And we'll just talk about it when it comes to the deadline and let them go away a little bit mad. I mean, you're not going to make everybody happy all the time. It's not your job to make people happy. It's your job to make people productive and deadlines do help make people productive. That's for sure. I think that's it, right? That's it. Scope, plan, operations, task. So again, six quick points, right? Keeping everybody on the same page, folks, starts with getting everybody on the same page. You've got to schedule the spot meeting, send out that email, send out your agenda. We gave you two examples in agenda. It should be a no-brainer. Copy and for those of you with premium content, it'll be easy. Copy and paste. Make sure you change the time though, unless you're going to start at 10 in the morning. And then we talked about scope and plan and operations and tasks. It does take a little extra time. It takes one hour, right? And the fact that it takes you some time, don't complain about because anytime you invest in advance thinking about your project is time well spent later when the stuff hits the fan. The amount of time that is going to be lost in your project due to poor communication, lack of clarity, the allure of all things shiny <laughs> that come along, all of those things are far more than the time you'll spend getting ready for and having this meeting. And a spot meeting starts you off in the right place. Sure does. Cool, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks, partner. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. That's it. But before I go, I'd like to take a moment to make a plug for a friend of ours that may be of interest to our Manager Tools listeners. 
Wes Kale, who heads up Kale Partners, a management consulting firm, is rolling out a library of training video casts that focuses on, surprise, surprise, given today's topic, project management, career and leadership, and information technology. Mark and I have known Wes for almost 20 years now. Wes has had senior leadership positions at MCI, Nextel, and Cornell University before going into consulting, so he's well experienced in this stuff. Wes does top-notch work, and I highly recommend you check out both his library training videos as well as his consulting services by going to his website, www.kalepartners.com forward slash manager dash tools. And Wes volunteered graciously to offer a significant discount, a 20% promotion, in fact, for all Manager Tools listeners. So check it out. Once again, that's www.kalepartners, K-A-H-L-E, partners.com forward slash manager dash tools to get your special Manager Tools listener discount. All right, folks, that's it. We'll see you next week. So long. So long.